This is Jenny Allen, and you are listening to the Made for This podcast. Thanks to HelloFresh for supporting Made for This. Go to HelloFresh.com slash MadeForThis18 and use code MadeForThis18 for 18 free meals plus free shipping. You guys are seriously going to need a notebook and a pencil for this episode because our friend Lisa Turkhurst is back. And this time she has a book that has actually been really meaningful for me. And it's called Good Boundaries and Goodbyes. It's like a handbook for, you know, those relationships in your life that are difficult, that you have difficult history with, but you still have to live with them. Maybe they're in your family or it's answering some of those questions like, when should I move on from a friendship? It is so practical, so helpful. And I just love the way that Lisa teaches the Bible. So make sure you go get it. So will make sure to put the link in the show notes for good boundaries and goodbyes. But in the meantime, here is Lisa Turkhurst and Jenny. Well, this is going to be an interesting conversation for two reasons. Number one, I'm talking to one of my favorite people. Lisa, you're such a good friend and I just adore you. Number two, we wrote books that I know you're going to say are complimentary, but to some degree, they're opposite, right? (laughs) Because I am talking about find your people and you are talking about setting boundaries when it goes wrong. And so certainly they're complimentary, but they are kind of totally different subjects when it comes to our friendships and our relationships. I think this is so important though, because unless you know how to have healthy relationships, which I think this is the number one thing I hear from people, I've just been hurt so badly. I don't want to trust again. Unless you figure this out, you really can't ever move into new friendships or new relationships because you're so burned from the past. So talk a little bit about where this came from for you and why it matters so much. Absolutely. Well, in community, God intends for us to love him and love other people. And love should always be what draws us together, not what tears us apart. So I understand people's resistance to community and maybe even to trying new relationships or even working on older relationships because it can start to feel impossible. And some of us hit that space where we just think, I can't take it anymore. Are there any good people left in this world? Is there anyone Mm -hmm. I can trust? And we get so fractured and frazzled inside of our relationships and we feel stuck because we haven't implemented boundaries. Show me relational chaos and I'll show you a lack of boundaries. And really boundaries should really be the most effective communication tool to fight for the relationship. Yeah. You don't have to fight against one another. And of course, I do think our books are very complimentary and I love that. I think you draw people into an awareness of the importance of community and then I'm going to help them stay in community. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Better boundaries really do lead to better relationships. And I've seen that in my own life, but this book was born out of heartbreak and devastation for me. Um, you know, for those that have been following all my journey, you know, that I fought really hard for my marriage for many, many years. And then I experienced the death of my marriage, which is what I prefer to say instead of a divorce, because it really does feel like a death of a 30 year relationship, but it wasn't only just my marriage. It was, it was other relationships where 
I knew something had to change, but if the other person was unwilling or incapable of changing, I just started to feel like that relationship was getting to an impossible place. And I wanted to know what can I do about it? So after I was no longer working on my marriage, I had several years to work on myself and I continued to do therapy and I had to make some honest admissions of why I was struggling in my relationships. And a big part of the reason that I was struggling is because I didn't understand appropriate, healthy boundaries and I wasn't implementing them. My counselor really kind of stepped on my toes with some of his instruction and some of his challenges, but it was good and it made a huge difference. And I just couldn't keep this to myself. Well, one of the things we're doing this season is we're talking about being whole and well and living out of the identity that God's given us. Well, a lot of therapy has come up in the season, actually. In fact, we've had a therapist on three weeks in a row because she was so helpful. Let's talk about that part of your journey because I think a lot of people listening for, in fact, it's awesome. I've gotten messages from people saying for the first time I made a counseling appointment. Talk about just how as a believer and a Bible teacher and someone who knows the right answers to everything, that still played such a crucial role in your life and also was a huge part of the book as well. I I thought it was so helpful how you talked a lot about the way relationships work from a, I don't know, psychotherapy you know, whatever. I don't know the right terminology, but it was really helpful. Well, so many, I would say most of the healthy, if not all therapeutic principles come from the Bible, but somebody has to be trained to make the connection between our emotional health and therapeutic principles that are really biblically based. And as a Bible teacher, I am trained to teach people in the Bible. I am not trained in a lot of the emotional, relational, and um, psychological nuances that can really affect us. You know, the Bible calls something pride or shame, but there's layers of psychological realities to that. And so I see them holding hands and working hand in hand really, really well. Um, I just needed someone who knew the Bible and who knew therapeutic psychological principles so that I could tend well, not just to my spiritual health, but my emotional health as well. Okay. Let's talk about boundaries. Let's, let's go to one that you had to set that you felt like this is going to be impossible or, or brave, or what did it feel like when, when you went to set a boundary that was risky? Well, boundaries are going to feel risky because usually they're in situations where there's some emotional charge. And, you know, usually we don't think about boundaries until we hit a desperate place and we've got something's got to give, something's got to change. And so here's the, let me give you a couple of words, Jenny, that I think will help break it down a little better. Let me give you access and responsibility. Let's just start with those two words. As I studied the Bible, looking for examples in the Bible of healthy boundary setting and really asking this question, is God okay with boundaries? Because I didn't have biblical confidence as a Christian woman that boundaries were in keeping with scripture. I just didn't have that confidence, but here's what's so fascinating 
the very first recorded conversation between God and man in Genesis 2, of all the subject matters God could have covered, God chose the topic of a boundary in that first recorded conversation. And the way God did it, he said, you are free, so there's freedom there, to eat from any tree in the garden. It's not overly restrictive, but you must not, here comes the boundary, eat from this one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, lest you die. So it wasn't just for restriction, it was for protection. And then as I continued in the Bible, I saw the way that God designed the temple. He gave certain people access, but not all people, all access. And he required different levels of access to bring different levels of responsibility, higher levels of responsibility. This wasn't because certain people were more valuable than others. It was really because there needs to be responsibility that comes with the access that people are granted. And God implemented this. Only the high priest could enter into the Holy of Holies once a year to make atonement for the people. And he had to demonstrate the highest responsibility for that kind of access. He had to be completely cleansed and purified or in the presence of holiness, he would die. And as I started thinking about that, it gave me this revelation. I am giving way too much access without requiring the appropriate amount of responsibility to grant that access. So if I'm giving level 10 access and someone's only giving me level three responsibility, the distance between level 10 access and level three responsibility is dysfunction and chaos. And where there's chaos, there's a need for a boundary. And everyone will agree. Everyone listening will go, yep, that I know about what you're saying. It has happened to me. Everyone. But still, setting the boundary feels like a mountain that is too high to climb. It feels so difficult. And I know you've made it accessible, but talk a little bit about that. Well, here, I'll just do a confession. Is it okay if I do confession? Yep, let's go. I did not write this book for my point of strength. I wrote it for my own point of struggle. So I get how hard. So <laughs> But my confession is part of the reason it was so hard for me for so long is I was doing boundaries incorrectly. Mm -hmm. So if, if I was granting level 10 access to someone, and that means they have access to my capacity, that may mean financial capacity, time capacity, relational capacity, emotional capacity, on and on and on. I'm granting them access to my capacity. If they are not responsible with that access, I'm granting them level 10, they're bringing level three responsibility. The mistake I used to make is that I would try to put a boundary on them to force them using external pressure to change and bring level 10 responsibility so equilibrium could be obtained in that relationship again. And we all know that trying to change another person using external pressure may create temporary behavior modification, but it will not create lasting change unless they want to change for themselves. Mm -hmm. Like if you had a cardiac event today, Jenny, and I was right there with you, I would of course do CPR. I would apply external pressure to your chest doing chest compressions and I could sustain your life for a little while. But if at some point your heart does not quicken and start to beat on its own, I cannot sustain your life for all time using chest compressions. Never have you seen two friends walking around one doing chest compressions on the other and think, wow, that's a sustainable relationship, right? Right. And so if you can't put a boundary on another 
person to try to force them to change. If they don't want to change, then what do you do? And this is where I think it gets so hard for people because this is where we feel stuck. We know the other person needs to make changes, but they are refusing or maybe incapable of the changes. Herein lies the frustration with boundaries. And here's where I was doing it wrong. I can't put a boundary on another person trying to force them to change. I have to put a boundary on myself. And if this other person is only willing or capable of level three responsibility, I put a boundary on myself to reduce the access to my capacity that I'm granting them down to level three. So equilibrium can occur in that relationship. So do you want to know, practically speaking, how this works? Okay. I'm going to flip the interview. Is that okay with you? Yes. I'm scared. Go. (laughs) You have a bank account. Yes. Okay. And do you have unlimited funds? (laughs) I like to act like I do, but no, (laughs) definitely don't. (laughs) Yep. None of us do. Right. (laughs) And so do you have a passcode or a password or some kind of security measure for uh, your bank account? I do. Okay. Why do you have that? I guess so other people can't access it. Right. And why would you not want to just give it out freely to every listener listening right now? I I was like, where's this going? I'm going to change my password because yeah, I would run out of money really fast. (laughs) Other people would take it. Yeah. And you don't know that everybody listening would be responsible enough. Right. 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 And you know that if too much gets withdrawn from your bank account and people aren't being responsible, if you've granted them access, then you've got to reduce the access. And you have a passcode, not because you're selfish, not because you're unchristian, but because you're wise and you're responsible. We Mm -hmm. know this with our bank account. We forget Mm -hmm. every other area of capacity in our life. So, I mean, I'm hearing this and going, what about the relationships that we're supposed to, you know, I think of the language around marriage where it says, you know, you give 100%, they give 100%, and that's a healthy marriage. You know, if we live guarded, like, I guess that could be the negative side of it is if we withhold too much from people or get too afraid. Yeah. So this isn't about living guarded. It's about living with clarity. Okay. It is about inside of a relationship communicating, this is what is acceptable. This is not acceptable. Mm. This what I can give. This is what I cannot give. This is what I will tolerate. This is what I will not tolerate. Hold on. Time out. Because so many people right now just heard that and thought to themselves, I could never say that to my spouse. I could never say that to my parents. You know, what just, what you just said was so simple and so powerful, but people don't use these words. So I want you to say those again, give everybody a script. Okay. This is what I have to give. This is what I don't have to give. This is what I will tolerate. This is what I will not tolerate. This is what is acceptable. This is what's not acceptable. I mean, you can, you can come up with lots of different questions like that, but what boundaries are, are a reminder to us that we have to be clear and provide stability for the relationship through clear communication. I'm convinced more relationships die, not because we attempted to have boundary conversations and they failed, but more relationships die because we never had the conversations that right. we needed. Right. And, you know, you bring up a great point. The I call them the yeah buts, okay? It's where you know you need a boundary. Yeah, but this is my mom. This is my husband. This is right. my 
friend. This is my ministry partner. This is my daughter. So here's a little exercise. I want you temporarily to think of one of those people that you think, I, I know I need a boundary, but they're my whatever. Okay, so I want you to temporarily, we're not stripping them of their title. We're just going to temporarily take it off, take the title off of them, set it on a shelf right here. We'll come back to it. Now I want you to look at the dynamics of you and that other person and the behavior that's happening in the relationship, maybe some of the chaos in that relationship. And I want you to think if this was an average everyday person, what boundary would be appropriate? Now, keep that boundary in mind and put the title, go over to the shelf, pick it up, put the title back on and meet in the middle. So oh, you that's good. Totally, you know, shirk the reality of the important title they have, but you don't throw out boundaries just because they have that title. So you consider the boundaries that you would implement if this was an average everyday person and you respect the position that they have in your life and meet in the middle. And I give scripts all throughout the book of how to do this because it's not just about right what boundaries are needed is about communicating the boundary. And I felt like it was really important to type out scripts for people. But let me say one other thing that I think is really important. You know, sometimes I would say maybe even especially in the context of your parents, your children, and your spouse, Mm -hmm. you can start to have these verses that pop into your mind, one of those being, yeah, but didn't Jesus lay down his life for his friends? I mean, didn't he say it's, it's, it's wonderful for us to lay down our life for our friends. Yes. Jesus laid down his life for his friends to accomplish a high and holy purpose. Jesus did not lay down his life to enable bad behavior to continue. Wow. That's so helpful. Especially this time of year when schedules are crazy, HelloFresh really does do it all. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit, even has festive eat selections available. Go to HelloFresh.com slash MadeForThis18 and use code MadeForThis18 for 18 free meals plus free shipping. It is such a fun time of the year and HelloFresh is my way of making the most of every moment. With hosting and dinners and busy weeknights, I can count on HelloFresh to deliver fresh ingredients and seasonal recipes. HelloFresh is cheaper than grocery shopping and 25% less expensive than takeout. Cooking with HelloFresh really does get you some of your free time back by making cooking simple and easy and quick because every recipe is pre-proportioned ingredients and they show up right on your door so you can skip the grocery store and a lot of prep. I mean, one of their seasonal recipes right now is homestyle turkey and biscuit pot pie. It has carrots and celery and thyme. And this is one that the entire dish will be gone because it is something that everybody in your family will eat. Go to HelloFresh.com slash MadeForThis18 and use code MadeForThis18 for 18 free meals plus free shipping. You know, I, I also think of a woman that reached out to me um, in the last year and said, I have a broken heart because my kids have set boundaries and I never get to see them anymore. And I don't even, I I don't even get to ask the questions of why. And sometimes I think we can erect walls and not boundaries. Talk a little bit about not just slapping up something to completely protect from a relationship that could be healthy. Absolutely. 
I make it really clear in the book, Good Boundaries and Goodbyes, that we should never use boundaries as weapons against other people. They should never be used as tools of punishment, control, or manipulation. So Boundaries actually should help us avoid extremes like the one you described, where on one end of the spectrum, you know, her kids have cut off all communication. That's such an extreme, you know? On the other end of the spectrum, it would be somebody living in dysfunction and never addressing it, but just dying inside because of all the turmoil that is causing them. And so boundaries should help us avoid both ends of the spectrum of extremes and bring us back to the middle where we can have healthy conversations. Again, this is what is acceptable. This is what's not acceptable. This is what I will allow. This is what I will not allow. This is what I have to give. This is what I don't have to give. And my prayer for the woman that you mentioned is that the Holy Spirit would soften her kids' hearts and start implementing healthy boundaries. Boundaries in that dynamic are probably needed, but taken to an extreme, they become weapons that will not serve a good purpose. You know, boundaries are not meant to shove other people away. They're meant to help hold ourselves together so that we're not trying to control other people, but we are biblically holding ourselves accountable to remaining self-controlled. So let me give you an example because I think people will be dealing with this over the holidays. So let's get real practical. You good with that? Yep. Okay. Let's say you're hosting family Thanksgiving and you know, there's a lot of work when you host family Thanksgiving at your house. And so chances are you're going to be tired and maybe a little physically and emotionally spent by the time everyone gets there. So we have to prepare. This is what my therapist has taught me. We have to prepare in times of strength for times of struggle. So you already know that you're going to be tired. You're already going to know that you won't have the emotional capacity to deal with drama that day. And you've invited Uncle Fred. Now you love Uncle Fred. Uncle Fred needs to be at the Thanksgiving dinner because Uncle Fred's always been at the Thanksgiving dinner. Here's the issue though. Uncle Fred loves to bring up politically divisive (laughs) topics. This won't happen at anybody's table. No one. This won't happen anywhere. (laughs) very passionate about his view of things. And you already know that you're feeling a little emotionally spent and physically tired, which means you decide ahead of time, you will not participate in these conversations. And now you have to communicate that to Fred. You're not going to control Fred. Fred has the freedom to bring up whatever he wants to bring up because ultimately you can't control him. You can ask that he not bring those topics up, but you can't control him. So you have to draw a boundary around yourself. So this is how I would communicate that. I would make a phone call and I would say, Uncle Fred, I am so excited you're coming to Thanksgiving. It always is such a joy to have you there. That said, I need to make a request of you to please not bring up politically divisive conversations around the Thanksgiving table. Now, it's totally your choice whether or not you do this, but I'm informing you, if you do that, I'm going to turn to the other end of the table and participate in a different conversation, or I will excuse myself from the table until that conversation is done. 
And here's the reason. You don't have to give Uncle Fred the reason, but you can if you want to. Here's the reason. I don't have the emotional capacity to handle those kinds of conversations. And I want to keep the best of who I am at that Thanksgiving table. So I wanted to lovingly communicate this to you. And I thank you for your consideration. And here's the thing. You're not asking him permission to do this. You're not saying, okay, you're not doing that. You are informing him that you have drawn a boundary around yourself to keep yourself self-controlled and you will not participate in these conversations. See, I think where we get all twisted up is we feel like we have to participate in things that we already know aren't going to go well, but we don't have to attend every drama we're invited to. So good. I'm just thinking of how many people are in that position right now (laughs) and just... Yeah. And it feels like handles. So yeah, the timing of this book is really helpful. You're right. Right before holidays, because yeah, this is where so many families are right now. And and what you're saying is these boundaries are actually going to cause your relationships to be stronger. But the title also says goodbyes. There are times that a relationship no longer is healthy at all. There's no salvaging it. Boundaries are not working. Talk a little bit about that. Well, let me also say about the Uncle Fred situation, then we'll get to the goodbyes. You have to count the cost on both sides. So what's worse, having that calm conversation with Uncle Fred ahead of time or risking losing it at the Thanksgiving table and becoming a person that you never intended to be in front of your family? And so I think when I count the cost, I'd rather have the calm conversation ahead of time than risk me becoming an emotional basket case at the table because I know I am limited in my emotional capacity. I know I'll be limited in my physical capacity. And when I'm a little frazzled and worn down, that's when there's this threat that the worst of me will come front and center. And I don't want the worst of me to be demonstrated in front of my family. I want the best of me and only I can stay self-controlled. So the boundary is a protective measure to help me do just that. Now with goodbyes, I always encourage people take steps, not leaps. We don't want to leap to the extreme of a goodbye, but at the same time, we have to acknowledge reality. And if someone is consistently bringing zero responsibility into a situation, not because they made a mistake. We all make mistakes and there's grace for mistakes. But if they're not just making a mistake, they are, they are repeating a pattern of behavior that has shifted the relationship from difficult to destructive. Then if they're bringing zero responsibility, we need to consider zero access and we don't need to do it alone. We need to have wise people around us Again, taking steps, not leaps, but making peace with the fact that you're not walking away from that relationship. If you're in a destructive relationship, you're not walking away. You're accepting reality. And mental health is a commitment to reality at all costs. It's for your sake and honestly their sake as well that maybe a separation needs to happen. Sometimes separations are for a season. Sometimes they're forever. Um, But the Holy Spirit can help us navigate that. What do you see as the main reason it's difficult to do this? Well, because our emotions are tied into 
every bit of our relationships, you know? And I think honestly, Jenny, one of the things that is so hard for me is I can't stand the feeling of disappointing people. I would rather sacrifice myself to try Mm -hmm. to keep other people happy than have these hard conversations at times. And yet I've lost relationships because I refuse to have the hard conversations. I have not lost relationships where I attempt to have the conversations and if that other person is healthy, then they will respect a healthy boundary. Healthy people like healthy boundaries. It's unhealthy people that have never met a boundary that they actually like. My, my counselor, Jim Cress reminds me of that often. But here's confession time for me again. And this is just me spending lots of time in counseling and forcing myself to be brutally honest. I do struggle with people pleasing. I don't want to disappoint other people and I want to keep other people happy. But when I got really honest about it, I wasn't just trying to keep other people happy. I was trying to keep them happy so that they wouldn't take from me whatever it is they were giving to me that I felt like I might not be okay if that was removed from my life. Hmm. In essence, I was so afraid of their rejection that I was trying to control them not rejecting me by keeping them happy. And that's not healthy. That's really not healthy. And, you know, when I really got deep and sat before the Lord with this, here's what I wrote in my journal. I will always desperately try to get from other people what I fear God will not provide for me. And so I think we struggle with this fear. If I draw healthy boundaries, it will change the dynamics in the relationship. And I'm not sure I want that change. And you know what? That's a choice you have to make and you have to count the cost on both sides of this. But I will give you a little insight. If drawing a healthy boundary makes you fear that other person may reject you, that person is probably eventually going to reject you whether you draw a boundary or not. Before we go, I want you to speak to that person that has to, after this, listening to this, have that hard conversation. Give them a pep talk. Tell them why it's worth it. Well, I think it's worth it because your mental health, your relational health is at stake. And the subtitle of Good Boundaries and Goodbyes really says it all. It's we need to learn to love others well without losing the best of who we are. And look, I wouldn't make the first boundary conversation the hardest relationship dynamic. Let's pick something a little simpler and let's just stick our toes into these waters. For example, I guarantee you, you're going to get a request sometime during the holidays where someone is going to ask you to do something that when you look at a realistic view of your capacity, you do not have the capacity to do this. So I'm going to give you a script for one of your first boundary conversations. And I want you to reply back to this person, dear Sally, thank you so much for thinking of me and having confidence that I would do a good job planning the office Christmas party or planning the fourth grade Christmas celebration or whatever it is, hosting the Bible study Christmas tea. Dear Sally, thank you so much for thinking of me. I'm very honored by that. While my heart says yes, 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 the reality of my time says no. 
I cannot host the party. Here is what I can give. I can make some cupcakes or Mm -hmm. I can donate some money or I can come an hour before the party and help whoever does host it set up. Here's what I have to give. Here's what I don't have to give. Thank you so much for understanding, Lisa. (laughs) And remember another great saying that my counselor always reminds me, adults inform, children explain. You don't have to explain all the reasons why your time means that this is a no, why you're limited in your time capacity. You don't need to ask the other person permission. If they have questions, certainly have a healthy dialogue about it. But your purpose is not to get their permission for you to say no. Your purpose is not to over-explain why you have to say no. Your purpose is to lovingly inform them. Say what you mean, mean what you say, but don't say it mean. So good. So grateful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, friend. Thank you for writing out of your life. I feel like that is the mark of you. You have been able to synthesize what God is teaching you and what God says in scripture, but from a place of authenticity and and you've lived this. This is your personal grit and and work and relationships that have birthed this. So I'm so grateful for you. Well, thank you, Jenny. And, you know, I do have to just give a nod to one of my favorite parts of the book, I've mentioned my counselor, my therapist several times throughout this interview. I actually had him write at the end of every chapter, a note from my therapist. I love it. To give people a little more theological and therapeutic depth, which he is wonderful at both. And so he's going to give counseling wisdom at the end of every chapter, which I think people will really like. So if you've liked any of the quotes from my therapist that I've thrown in this interview, I think (laughs) really like that part of the book as well. I love it. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Jenny. Hey, did you guys know that Jenny wrote a children's book series? It's called The Story of God, and it's a five-book set that paints a beautiful picture of God's love for us from creation all the way to heaven. At the back of every book, there's an activity guide based on what you read in the book. So it gives you questions to ask or easy, simple activities that help you drive everything that you talked about home with your kids. You can get 20% off The Story of God right now with code MADEFORTHIS20 if you go to JennyAllen.com slash kids.